Hey friends, it's Jenna Overbaugh here. I'm a licensed professional counselor and I'm here to help you do all the hard things, including busting through your fear, intrusive thoughts, and worry so you can live your best life. Some of my earliest memories were being anxious and I lived my life that way until I learned more about OCD and anxiety. Since then, I learned as much as I could and I've been helping people overcome their fear and worry since 2008. Over the years, I've acquired some of the best education, training, and empowerment tools to help you understand your brain a little bit better and to finally overcome all of that fear that's been holding you back. Now, if you're ready to learn more, let's get to it. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of All the Hard Things. I am here with OCD advocate and warrior, recoverer, Tegan Miller. You might have seen her on Instagram. I know I definitely follow her and just love all of her realness, like talking about the day-to-day life of living in a recovered way with OCD, the struggles, the good, the bad, the ugly. And I'm super excited just for me to hear her story a little bit more than what we might see on social media and also for you guys to share in that too. So Tegan, thank you so much for being here today. I would love for you to just kick us off. OCD, I feel like for a lot of us, we can look back in hindsight and see a lot of things happening in our childhood. But take us through your story. When do you feel like you started to feel like something was wrong? And then what was that process like for you? Just realizing that something wasn't quite right. And what was that like for you up to that point? For me, looking back now, I can see where I had intrusive thoughts as young as like age four, age five, I remember standing in church and having intrusive thoughts and being so confused. But I think a lot of people with OCD talk about the moment that their brain broke when OCD really just kicked in full force. And I think for me, my first official theme started when I was seven. I actually choked on a chip in a restaurant and I felt my brain just completely switched and turn on me and it was just like you can never eat again and at that meal like the chips were the appetizer and I got like a cheesecake quesadilla and I ate like a bird I couldn't swallow I felt like I was forgetting how to swallow and from that point on I've had some severe OCD symptoms and that theme in particular lasted probably about a year and a half And I wasn't diagnosed with OCD at the time, but looking back, I can definitely recognize it as OCD. And I've just had a variety of themes throughout the years. I also have PTSD. And when I came forward about my trauma when I was 11 years old, that's when I got the diagnosis of OCD because I was obsessing about what had happened to me. And so I guess that would fall under the real event. And I got really stuck in it. And the OCD got all twisted with the PTSD and it was a hot mess. But I got my diagnosis when I was 11. But unfortunately, I wasn't introduced to exposure therapy. So I did years of talk therapy, play therapy, and I hated it because it only made me worse. But I didn't really recognize that it was making me worse because I didn't know that's what it was doing. But I didn't get like proper treatment until I was 17. I was a senior in high school. And I had a really tough time in quarantine. I had just got COVID and TikTok. There was a specific TikTok that triggered HOCD. And so I was, I identified as straight and I was terrified that I would just turn gay and I didn't want to be gay. 
And that really scared me. And I spiraled again. And we knew it was the OCD because of research. And I already had the diagnosis. But my mom actually came across Rogers Behavioral Health. And they had just opened a new location in Atlanta. And we looked into that and I started their PHP program. And I was 17 when I started exposure therapy. And while I was at Rogers, I was there for three months. I started my advocacy page on Instagram. And I found it really helpful to connect with people who had these taboo themes and who were talking about it. I was really scared to talk about it at first. So my page was anonymous. But by the end of my treatment at Rogers, I actually posted a photo of me with Chrissy Hodge's book because that was the first book that I was able to read front to end since like sixth grade because my OCD would have me reread and I would get stuck for hours and I would give up because it was just so frustrating. And so after doing exposure therapy, I was finally able to read a book again <clears throat> and along with so many other things that I gained back into my life. So Exposure therapy definitely saved my life, and I'm still in the process of doing exposures to combat the, the daily OCD things that pop up. But for right now, I'm very thankful to say I don't feel like I have a big theme that's weighing me down anymore because of exposure therapy. That's amazing. And I, especially just imagining you at that restaurant choking on a chip and then everything else that kind of spiraled after that. Not to mention it taking you so long to get the treatment, right? It's not like your family didn't try. You were trying to do all these different things, play therapy, but it wasn't yeah. until you were much older that you actually got the therapy that you needed. I'm curious what your family support was. I just can't even imagine if something like that had happened to Eli or if it does happen to Eli, like my five and a yeah. half year old, it would just be so terrifying. So what was that like for you and also like for your family to try to support you through that at such a young age? So as a child with OCD, I hid a lot of my symptoms. I didn't know what was going on. And I truly thought that majority of the things that I was doing was normal. I do remember at one point I told my mom I was probably six years old and I got stuck in the bathroom flipping the light switch, which is so stereotypical. But I was my brain was telling me that if I didn't do it correctly in sets of even numbers, I was going to hell. And so I, I went to my mom and I was like, I don't want to go to hell, but I can't do this correctly. And she was like, honey, what do you mean? And she just explained to me that's silly. And I was like, oh, wait, OK, you're, you're right. And I just left it at that for as long as I could. But when it came to when it got really intense my senior year of high school, like I said, I hid a lot of it. I struggled with like comorbid depression and I was dealing with the PTSD. So I had a lot going on. And just like my personality, I tend to keep things to myself, try to help others the best I can. And I feel like I really had to like white knuckle through it on my own for a while, but did get to the point where I couldn't do that anymore. And once I did do treatment, it was actually in the midst of a horrible time for my family. We lost my grandmother in COVID due to a car accident. And then we lost my grandfather, who we were really close to, nine months later. And my family was already going through a lot. And I think they understood that maybe this was my brain's way of trying to get that anxiety out or cope or I don't even know what distract from what was going on. 
but I'm so thankful to have such a close-knit family. Everybody rallied around me. They did everything they could. They were learning about OCD as I learned more about myself. And it it just became something we were doing together. I would go to my sisters often for reassurance. Do you think I'm gay? Do you think I'm bi? And how OCD just spirals. And now we can look back and laugh at things like that together because they were there with me through it. But I have the best support system and I'm truly so thankful for that because I'm not sure I would have made it through without my family right there with me the whole time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you were dealing with so much, right? It wasn't just one major theme of OCD. It was a sprinkling of so, not even a sprinkling, like it was so many things. But then you mentioned the PTSD. You were also struggling with depression. So talk to us about that. And I know so many people out there are going to be able to resonate with that particularly with the PTSD and the OCD piece. That's a big overlap for people. I was talking to Dr. Pinciotti. Dr. Caitlin Pinciotti is a researcher and a PhD who has done so much research in that area. We've done a workshop together on the overlap of PTSD and OCD. And it was amazing, but so many people resonated with it because it's so much more common than we think. So how do you differentiate? Like, It's so hard even for me as a therapist to help right. people differentiate what is a PTSD trigger, how to handle it, what is an OCD trigger, how to handle it. What is that overlap like for you? Yeah, so it's so complicated. And for me, I still struggle with figuring out which is which. But with the treatment that I'm doing now, which seems to really be working for me, I don't really need to label certain symptoms as this is OCD or this is PTSD. We're able to work with all the symptoms that I'm going through at the moment and just take a step forward and see which tool is going to be most helpful for in the moment. So I'm right now I'm doing weekly exposure therapy and that has been super helpful. I've been doing that since I graduated from Rogers, but I recently as within the last six months started EMDR for the PTSD. And so I have two separate therapists, one for OCD and one for PTSD, but they're in contact with each other and we all work together to bat these symptoms. And I found EMDR to be very validating and helpful, um, talking more about like my inner child who has been hurt. Whereas with my OCD, when when it latches to the PTSD and I'm obsessing over these events that happened, I feel like I feel a difference in my mind. It feels very urgent and I don't know. I just, I feel like I know it when it is the OCD because it's illogical. Whereas if it were a PTSD trigger, a lot of the times I'm looking at safety and logically, if I'm going to see this person who hurt me, what do I need to do to take care of myself versus I feel like if it were just OCD and PTSD were involved, we would be told to face this person. I don't know, not avoid, but but it's it gets really complicated when it, it is mixed with the PTSD. So I don't really have an answer about how to differentiate, but I guess it's just going to be so unique to each person's situation. Yeah, for sure. And I the word urgency rings true for so many people like that is just it seeming it it seems like the distinguishing force between that and so many other conditions but i do i love what you said which is i'm learning how to not need to necessarily classify these things as far as what is it and what is it not 
It's more right. so looking more holistically. Okay, looking at everything that I know about everything that I've learned so far, what do I right. think would be the best move for me right now? Given the context, that is thinking critically. It's thinking in a more abstract way. Life and our minds and ourselves as humans, we're, and what has happened to us, we're, it's all too difficult to put into these buckets. Exactly. And if, it, and if it weren't for the DSM anyway, like we wouldn't even have those terms, right? We'd have to think more critically. We'd have to think about the process and the function and just more critically than just, okay, this is PTSD, yeah. so do this. I, I think with when exactly. it comes to OCD, if any of this is resonating with you right now, then you need to check out the OCD and Anxiety Recovery Blueprint. The OCD and Anxiety Recovery Blueprint is my no-holds-barred, real talk, three-part course for action takers who want to gain control over their OCD and anxiety and take their freaking life back. It is truly recovery like you've never seen before. I made this OCD and anxiety recovery blueprint because I was sick of the same old vanilla recycled mental health content on social media, on the internet, and I wanted to raise the bar. I wanted to create a world where people could recover for good with or without a therapist. So the OCD and anxiety recovery blueprints, you could get it all together. It's over 100 videos, over 35 hours of content, but you could also get one of its three courses. So we have the foundation, which is level one. This is where you will lay the groundwork for your recovery journey and truly step into your therapist role and realize ultimately how simple all of this can be when you commit to the process. Then level two, we have the transformation. This is where you would learn how to prevent rituals, including mental compulsions, dismantling all those other compulsions that really, really trouble you. You will come to understand that behaviors and mental compulsions are yours to control and never the other way around. Then we have the end game. This is where you will bulletproof your recovery no matter what exposures or challenges cross your path. I want you to take your life back into your own hands so OCD has nothing against you. If you want to learn more about the OCD and Anxiety Recovery Blueprint, just go to www.jennaoverbaughlpc.com slash blueprint or head to the link in my show notes. I don't do vanilla. I don't do what's your subtype. I rip open the freaking curtains and take you into the inner workings of my mind and education so you can know this as well as I do. So again, to learn more about the blueprint, go to www.jennaoverbaughlpc.com slash blueprint or head to the show notes and click the link below we often want like a, a, a clear and as like a detailed no fail roadmap as possible. And that's yep. possible, right? Yeah. Big believer in that in your recovery, you, you need to actually understand, not just listen to or hear, but you truly need to understand these concepts so that you can make these decisions on your own. So that Tegan, when you are you know, five years from now and not in therapy anymore, if that's your decision, then you can look mm -hmm. at these new triggers that come up or these new life situations that come up and you can think critically and be your own therapist. I love that. Yeah, there really is no perfect answer for anyone. And that's freeing too, because OCD wants to make there be a perfect answer. And then it criticizes everything that goes against whatever OCD deems as perfect. But yeah, there's really no one way and I think it, it's going to be a, a hard road to figure out what does work for each individual. But I think it, it's worth it in the end. Just And I don't say I'm in the end at all at this point, but I'm definitely on the right track. And I'm very thankful for that as well. That is such a good feeling, especially when it feels like it's not just like this fleeting thing and like you're actually learning and understanding and yeah. you know, think in that more abstract way. It just feels more sustainable, I think. Like it mm -hmm. just feels more, there's some strength to it. I yeah. 
like even as we're talking, I'm feeling like OCD has this weird way of complicating things that don't need to be complicated. And OCD also has a way of trying to simplify things that can't be simplified. (laughs) Yeah, it's all or nothing. Like it can complicate something as like one time as choking, right? And thinking, Mm -hmm. making it seem like you forgot how to swallow and that you don't know how to eat and so on and so forth. Whereas that could be such a simple explanation. Mm -hmm. But whereas something as far as like how to handle your intrusive thoughts when you have PTSD and depression and any given, that's such a complicated, nuanced thing. Yet OCD wants to simplify it. It's so backwards. I don't know. It is so backwards. And I never really put that together, but you're so right. Yeah, it's whatever is supposed to be simple, OCD makes it complicated. And whatever is supposed to be complicated and just way too difficult for us to even supposed to wrap our heads around, we'd want to try to simplify it so urgently. And it's, yeah, yeah, we have to pick our battles with that. That's like a totally new concept. That's why I told you, Tegan, I love these conversations because I get to think about things in a totally different way. Yeah, oh my gosh. But I love that you're a fan of ERP. I am not surprised that it works for you and that you're still embracing some of its concepts. What do you think were some of your big takeaways from, you're still in it, but what were, what have been some of your big takeaways from doing ERP? I think there's so many things and I journal, it's my job. So I have just like books full of these concepts and like these phrases that have helped me throughout recovery. But I think... The number one thing, which is so simple, and it's silly to think that this could be so life-changing for somebody, but when I first heard my behavioral specialist at Rogers tell me that feelings are not facts, my life was just completely changed. I was truly just so shook. I was like, oh my God, wait, you're right. And it took me a while to really get comfortable with that idea. But with the HOCD, it comes with feelings that I didn't want. and my brain was telling me, if you have this feeling, it must mean this. But hearing that like every thought that my OCD is telling me isn't necessarily true and feelings that go along with it are not facts. And so I think I really clung to that idea throughout my whole recovery with HOCD specifically. And I think it applies to all the themes because the content doesn't matter. But I think there will be different concepts that will help people along more in different themes Yeah, for sure yeah I love when it's just like one simple concept that seems so simple but it's wow literally one sentence can totally change your life I remember I had a similar conversation just the other day with someone and I was talking about how you can just have a thought it doesn't have to be good or bad and and it doesn't have Mm -hmm. to mean anything like you can just have a thought and she was also shook (laughs) she was like yeah Are you telling me that not every single thought that comes into my mind or has this hidden significant? I'm like, yeah, you can literally just have a thought like you do. Yeah, that's another one that affected me so greatly as well. I was like, there's no way. I really put so much power to each thought that I had. And it was truly so terrifying, especially having such scary, intrusive thoughts. But yeah, once I learned that thoughts are just thoughts and they don't need to be more than that. That was also very life-changing for me. Yeah, amazing. And just little things, right? Like I wish that we had almost learned this as children or right somehow in school. I know nowadays some classes, do they do like mindfulness. And it's like, I wish we would have known that. We could have avoided quite a bit. Um, <laughs> right. 
Yeah, seriously. So what does day-to-day life look like for you now? You still go to therapy and Mm -hmm. you're still living the lifestyle. And that's what I love and what I witness and see on your social media pages and on your advocacy stuff, like just that you live the lifestyle. And I know that's one of my most commonly asked questions is what does recovery actually look like? What can people hope for? So what would you say? What does it look like for you? And what can people reasonably hope for or expect in their recovery? Yeah. So right now I work four days a week and it's my dream job. I work in a day program for adults with special needs. And I've always known that I wanted to work with this community of people. And so I actually, after I graduated from Rogers, I went back into my senior year off the hospital homebound. And I had two months left. I had to cram four online classes because I missed so much. But I ended up graduating um, high school on time, which was a huge accomplishment. Um, And then I tried to go to college and I didn't make it quite a a semester, but I had to drop out due to my depression. I was relapsing in some harmful behaviors and I wasn't safe to stay at school by myself. So I had to move home. I stopped taking classes. I've never really been a fan of school anyways. So I was relieved to get out of the classwork, honestly. But I'm one of 12 kids, which is also another major part of my life. And seven of my siblings are adopted with special needs. And so this is where I got my passion for this community. And three of them actually go to a day program here in my town. And my mom was like, why don't you talk to the director? See if you can volunteer a couple days a week or let's just see what you can do because this place will bring you joy. And we already know that. So that's what we did. We talked to her. I actually just went in to chat. It wasn't like an interview or anything. But by the end of our chat, she offered me a full-time job and I started working at this day program. I've been there just two years the other day. And so I work there four days a week. I have Wednesdays off so that I can recoup. And that's the day I go to therapy. That's the day I get my appointments in. And so this schedule has really worked for me. And I get to do something that brings me so much joy every single day. And so I feel so lucky that this is how my life has played out so far, because I didn't think that dropping out of college, I I dropped out with no plan. I didn't know what was going to be next. I thought I would maybe just start working at a local store or something and try my best to take a couple classes here and there. But I really ended up with like my dream job and I'm still doing ERP. I have the opportunity to do ERP every single day because of the intrusive thoughts that I get. I have to face them at work, which has only made me stronger against the OCD. And so I would say I'm really happy right now where I'm at. That's awesome. I love that you were able to make a plan that worked for you and pursue what worked for you and not necessarily Mm -hmm. have to follow plan A, right? That's just perfect for you. 12 kids though. That's (laughs) your I know. I didn't mean to just drop that, but. (laughs) Your parents must be like amazing. Just as far as (laughs) they are. They truly are. That's awesome. What, like you said, I'm so glad that you had that support because who knows, right? Like that, it's already so awful to go through. And so then have that coupled or worsened by not having that support, that that would just be terrible. So absolutely, um, I know I can't so many imagine. people are going to resonate with everything that you said and it's going to be super, super helpful. What would you share as far as like words of wisdom or words of encouragement for anybody out there who's listening? I would say 
thinking about if I could tell my younger self something, I would say you're never too bad for treatment. There's no point that like a therapist is going to say, oh, actually, these tools aren't going to work for you because you're like you're too debilitated. There were points in my journey with OCD where I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't even get out of bed to go to the bathroom because my compulsions were so bad. It would take me forever. And now I'm working part time and I have friends that I get to go out and hang out with. And I'm truly living life, a life that I didn't think I would be able to because I was so debilitated by my own brain. So you're never too far gone for treatment. And tools are there to help you and they can help you if you utilize them. Tegan, thank you so much for being here, sharing your story and some awesome advice. I would love for you to drop down where everybody can find you or just learn out, learn more about you. Where can people find you? Yeah, so my advocacy page is on Instagram and it's at obsessively.te because um, my name's Tegan. A lot of people think that it's like tea, like gossip, like obsessively gossip or something like that. But no, it's just, it's just because of my name. But I'm obsessively tea on Instagram. So you can find me there. I share day-to-day stuff about me and my journey with OCD. I share some advice that I learned through therapy and just personal stuff. So you can find me there. Yeah. Awesome. So good. Thank you so much for being here. And like I said, thank you. Yeah, I will post everything in the show notes for people who want to just catch up and find out more about you and follow on your advocacy journey. So thank you again, Tegan, so much for being here. And in the meanwhile, guys, if you're listening still, keep doing all the hard things and I will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. It would mean the world to me if you would take a quick minute to please give it a review. And while you're at it, check out my website at www.jennaoverbaughlpc.com to sign up for my free email newsletter that includes an instant free downloadable PDF to help jumpstart your OCD and anxiety recovery journey. You can also find me on Instagram or TikTok at jenna.overbaugh. If you liked what you listened to here, you can download some of my workshops and courses on OCD, anxiety, and treatment at my website as well. Thank you so much again for tuning in and until next time, keep doing all the hard things.